It's now time for another edition of this week's Unedited. Our guests are the columnist for uh, Rapport uh, and the Cape de Burger, uh, Heinrich Weingart, our SABC political editor, Dumasani Schloppe, and uh, he will take us through his top stories for the week ahead and the week that was. I think my top story is the story that didn't happen. There was supposed to be a continuation of the state capture. I think there was going to be an interesting cross-examination of uh, Ms. Vicky Mento, but it did not happen. Uh And uh, I think there have been people who are generally saying that the State Capture Commission has been receiving one side of the narrative within the the State Capture. And for me, this was beginning to tell us as to exactly, you know, what are the other people thinking? What are the contestations within the state capture uh, narrative in South Africa? So it was quite unfortunate that did, that did not happen. The second one, which I think it was important, was the um, quarter three uh, economic development index, mm-hmm. which indicated that South Africa is out of the recession, having recorded a growth of about 2.2%. You know, in most cases, we always wonder to what extent does this growth, you know, relate to issues of economic development, the job creation, the reduction of unemployment, and, you know, those elements. Mm -hmm. And then, unfortunately, South Africa lost the former ambassador, uh, Mandy uh, Mm -hmm. M. Simang, I think he has been a central historical figure in the democratization uh, in this country. I think for me, those are some of the mm-hmm. prominent stories that happened this week. Let's and then, mm-hmm. by the way, yes. I almost forgot this very, very important one. The appointment of Advocate Shamila Batoy as the head of the National Prosecuting Authority. Mm-hmm. Beyond mm-hmm. these old issues that people are, you know, talking about that she's a woman and all of that, I think the fact that she's at the Hague, the, this big international institution, the International Criminal Court, mm-hmm. is indicative of, you know, how she has professionally grown mm-hmm. within the sphere of the law of prosecution and all of that. And I think. Perhaps when she was appointed to The Hague, you know, we missed an opportunity to compliment and recognize the, the, the strength of mm-hmm. South African tourists. Right. So let's go back to the top story. And you say it was the story that was not, and that was the uh, revelations uh, or the cross-examination of Fakey Mentor. Yeah. Your take on that particular story and what was the angles uh, that we pursued there? The angles that we're going to pursue I think it was likely to be the contradictions in her testimony. Mm. I think by the time in between the time she made her submission to the commission and now there are certain things that she had reversed on, including making an apology to one of the persons that she had accused, someone like Fana Shungwane. So the question was, how much more of what she submitted to the commission uh, is actually incorrect. Mm. Now, that was going to be, you know, an interesting because somehow it there is this narrative that perhaps this commission 
is being used by a particular faction within the ruling party to deal with another faction. So mm. once we begin the process of cross-examination and certain things that were submitted and taken to be true are found not to have been truthful, then it will be have began to give the commission a bit of a bite that uh, that, look, this is an objective process and there are no saints and, you know... Mm-hmm. Nabo Satan in this process. Mm. So her credibility is really being pulled into question in relation to what she uh, what she's uh, pronounced on and and what is actually uh, and and then she turned back on some of the pronouncements. Yeah, and I think also the fact that she the, the, the cross examination did not happen at the time that was meant to take mm-hmm. place. It also adds onto that question around the credibility. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at your second story. The South African economy have officially exited the recession after reporting a 2.2 GDP growth for the third quarter of this year. Now, Stats SA announced this on Tuesday morning, but some are suggesting that this is not really the end of the road. It's not all good news. Thoughts? Look, look not necessarily. You know, you know, Chief, I'm not a great fan of this narrative that grow the economy, the rest shall follow. Mm. Because the economy can grow without necessarily creating jobs. And what this country needs in the most is job creation. You know, dealing with unemployment as per the commitment of the National Development Plan. But if you look back during the Mbeki years, the economy on average at some point was growing by 4, hmm. 4, 5%. And yet economies called it the jobless growth. Hmm. So that's a serious... So Fine, the economy could have turned around, but that question remains, in what sectors is this economy growing? Yeah. And uh, what is the impact on the unemployment? Are we seeing a reduction? And or, for, for me, those are the fundamental questions b- beyond the statistics. So mm-hmm. you will have Professor Nangwenkulu at UNISA, for example, who says the numbers don't mean anything. It's in the interpretation Mm. of the numbers. And that interpretation could either be, depending on where you sit, either could be negative or positive. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but here the question is, what is the correlation between economic growth and the reduction in unemployment? Because our unemployment rate is still so very high. Yeah. And then, of course, South Africa mourns a gentle giant. That was yeah. one of the big stories for this week. Uh, uh, Mendim Sima. We got a call that says... In your presentation of the story, you are you are erasing someone out of the story. So when the story was presented, actually across the media, mm. was that he was married to the late Dr. Mandu Chabalal. But then he was married before he married Dr. Mandu Chabalal. And he was married to May, I think it's Angem Simang. Mm. And they had kids as well. Mm. You know, this is the interesting thing about the modern technology, that someone can listen to a story on the radio or watch it on TV and at the same time write, you know, and say mm-hmm. that, look, you have missed A, B, C, and D. Yes. So I think for me that was part of the interesting part. So, But then if I remember pretty well, mm-hmm. when his first wife passed away as well, I don't think the ANC gave her the maximum attention that she would have deserved. Mm as having been part of, it played a significant role uh, in the, you know, in the fight against apartheid. So, but perhaps that's not where the issue is. The issue maybe is that I think South Africa is beginning on a faster pace to lose a particular generation 
of struggle heroes that have lots of knowledge and information that the younger generation should be picking up from. So perhaps we don't have a more systematic and formal way to make sure that there is that oral transmission of his knowledge and all these struggle things to, to the younger people. So I think it's an issue of concern mm, uh, mm. if you want to make sure that the younger generation picks up from the older generation. His passing, was it adequately covered by all media in general in your perspective? I think more could have been done across the board. On the 5th of December, it was the 5th anniversary of the passing away of, of Dr. Na- Madiba. Of mm-hmm. Madiba. And yet, on the same day, Robert Sobukwe, the Eswal Pan Africanist, would have turned 94 years of age. Mm-hmm. He was born on that day. And yet, what did you see? You saw a coverage on the Madiba who passed away five years ago. Mm-hmm. And this man who the apartheid regime even had the Sobukwe clause. That's how powerful the man that even... Some legislation was generated against him, Mm. was not necessarily reflected. That's right. And that's what we got to look at. Let's look at the week ahead. What are we focusing on? Politically, this is what we are going to try to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe next week we can talk about it. We want to look into things to remember. What what will the year 2018 be remembered for Mm -hmm. politically? State capture probably would be one of them. But state, <laughs> state capture, it's, it's one of them. But also one big one has been the change in the political leadership of the ANC in December, Nazarek, mm-hmm. which then led into the change of the political leadership at the government level. So we're mm-hmm. going to reflect on that one. And then and the subsequent issues that happened in, cha- in terms of changing of the boards and the the disbandment of PECs and there and there, uh-huh. all of those things that happen within the ruling party. And then we're also going to look into the official opposition. Uh, how has it performed? How has it done? And where it was the leading coalition partner in the Nelson Mandela Bay, in the city of Tswane, in the city of Jobek. Uh-huh. And then the big elephant in the DA room, the Delile you know, issue. Mm. Uh, I almost said saga. But also the contradiction that have emerged in the DA in terms of the the approach to land question and the diversity issues. Mm-hmm. Those have been quite big within the democratic alliance. And that was Dumasani Schlope here from the SABC giving us his take, our SABC political editor giving us his take on the week that was and the week ahead. We continue with the unedited, and our guest this morning is columnist for Rapport, the Cape Times, and the Burger Heinrich Weingart. A very good morning to you, sir, and welcome. Thank you, Elvis. Not quite yet for the Cape Times. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Burger being a Cape Town daily. Oh, in Cape yeah. Town base. Um, th- thank you. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. And I, I, I thought I should also uh, congratulate Dumasani on his appointment, which I haven't been able to do yet. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's a pity that he's not in studio with me this morning. Let's take a look at your top stories for the week. That so, was. so I. I also have the appointment of the new uh, National Prosecuting Authority Head uh-huh. Advocate Shamila Batoy on my list. I have the um, passing of the amendment to Article 25 of the Constitution um, by the National Assembly and the National Council of Provinces on my list. And I 
also have the, well, last I have the designations of SABC board members, but I do have the controversy over the Johanna Rupert interview with um, that other radio station, uh, which was broadcast <laughs> on that other term television channel on my list. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's start off with your top story, same as uh, as we had before. Um, Advocate Shamila Batoy has been, uh, t- as, will take over as the head of the NPA from February next year. She was announced as the National Director of Public Prosecutions by President Sul Ramaphosa. This is a new start for uh, the First Lady of the NDPP. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what, whether I want to say it. Uh, surprisingly, mm. it was welcomed very widely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, South Africans in general are just so fed up mm-hmm. um, of, uh, you know, having heads of the NPA, a critically important institution in our country. And then there's forever some drama or scandal surrounding the person appointed to that position. Let's hope that the latest appointment is the one that will restore the authority and the dignity um, of, of that institution. So when Advocate Batoy enters her office in February next year, no one needs to tell her just how huge that responsibility is. She does seem like someone who is able to, to handle that kind of, of pressure. Um, and and, I, and I, I think we should all hope for her sake and for the country's sake that she'll be able to... To, to do that job very well. Uh, the president made the, uh, the comment that it was important that we should have someone in that position who, and then he smiled, um, who is not captured in any way. Mm. So I think people assume that because he's been working for the International Criminal Court for at least nine years, um, that she has not been part of any of the drama in the NPA over the well last couple of well last decade really under the uh, presidency of uh, President Jacob Zuma, um, whether that counts in a favour inside the organisation or will count against her in the sense that she might be regarded as an outsider, one will have to see. But but let's hope that this is an opportunity to to do some. Some spring cleaning, clean cleaning as people normally do here ahead of the of the festive season in in, in their homes, Elvis. Land expropriation without compensation. Article 25, uh, it's been amended or it's going to be amended. It looks like it's all set and go for this to take place. And there's a number of voices uh, or dissident voices, we shall call them, that says that this shouldn't have happened. I'm not sure to what extent one can still... Um, put an end to the process that has now already gone through Parliament. Um, but yes, um, we've heard the agriculture organization, um, AgriSA, uh, saying at a press conference this week that they will still continue to try and, 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 and sort of return or, or undo um, the amendment of the... I, I'm not sure how they're planning to do this. Um, they still express concern about food security and, and what effect this article or the amendment of this article will have on uh, on food security because um, the argument seems to be that if if government if the state is able to expropriate land without compensation that there will be a free for all now i really don't know where that idea comes from because i remember very vividly when in december 2017 mm. as i was then still covering the anc national conference for the sabc mm. how president 
uh, Ramaphosa, um, as, as well as N- the NEC members who spoke on the um, then-planned amendment of Article 25 of the Constitution, made it very clear right from the start that it will not be done in a manner that will put the economy or food security at mm-hmm. risk. And, and it seems that some of us just choose not to, to hear that part. We're so focused on our... Our, our our own views, um, mm-hmm. and it's a pity because it also means that the goodwill that that one finds with someone like Cyril Ramaphosa um, is a sort of being um, thrown out of the door because you con- constantly put him under pressure to have to explain something that he has explained over and over and over, and and it seems that it, it's still continuing. Report tells us today that. Apparently, the um, the draft legislation um, that should put the um, uh, uh, um, expropriation without compensation into into effect um, makes it clear, for instance, that you even though the land will be expropriated you, without compensation, if we get to that situation, mm-hmm. um, you will still be able to be compensated for, let's say, the buildings um, on that on that piece of land. So, yeah. so it's more nuanced than. Uh, what the critics uh, makes us believe. Mm -hmm. Now, Johan Rupert was live on another radio station and uh, some say there was a number of things that he said, but there's apparently things that he said that that, that really affects the South African economy. Your thoughts on on what happened uh, in that particular interview and how it affects South Africans in general? It's it's funny because just last weekend I was told by someone who knows Johan Rupert personally before this controversy Mm. that Johan is just... A sort of an authority on his own. Johan doesn't care about what others think. I was told. Mm. Johan doesn't really care much to think before he opens his mouth. Mm. And and so so my sense has always been that it might be more arrogance than than racist. Mm-hmm utterances by him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, having said that, I in my column in report today, I I make it clear that um, re- regardless of who you are. You always have to be mindful of what linguists, and I, I'm, I'm crediting a, a master's uh, graduate from Stellenbosch University, Elba Sonia. Mm-hmm. He, at that event last weekend, spoke about perceptions of the use of language and also the, um, the uh, alienation through vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And I think here you have a classic case of how someone just speaks his mind without being sensitive mm-hmm. to how others may perceive what mm-hmm. you say and how you say it. Heinrich, unfortunately, we ran out of time because this was just getting interesting at this point in time, but we've, we've got to leave it there. That was columnist for Rapport as well as the Burger Heinrich Weinhardt here in studio with us, giving us his t- top stories for the week that was and the week ahead.